you're listening to the Prodine Podcast, uniting minds across Britain. the countdown clock theme music from the hit channel 4 game show uh, the wrist episode was literally recorded moments after wales went into its 6 p.m lockdown this episode is hosted by hugh davis and was joined by chris harris and andrew arty davis uh hello everyone welcome to another edition of the weekly review at the with print with the print review um i'm hosting this week along with uh co-host and guest for this particular session, Chris Harris, and oh, wow. our very special guest is uh, Andrew R.T. Davis, Assembly Member or Member of the Senate for um, South Wales Central, uh, Member of the and Conservative Shadow Minister uh, for Health in the Assembly. Um, it's just gone past six o'clock. Wales is now in the firebreaker lockdown imposed by the Welsh Government of Mark Lakeford. Um, and we're devoting this particular review to that lockdown, lockdown special, to discuss whether it is the right sort of action, where do we go from here, where do we go after this two weeks, and whether we have done the actual right thing. So to start off, I'm going to ask the panel, Andrew first, I think, why do you, do you think this was the right sort of action undertaken by Mark Drakeford and the, the Labour, Labour government, or do you think that it, it is has been the wrong action going forward? Do you think it's not pragmatic? Well, first of all, evening to you, evening Chris. Thank you for the invitation to come on to the podcast this evening. Uh, I've been championing all week that I think it's the wrong option, to be honest with you, the way Welsh government are approaching this. It's worth remembering, as a country, Wales was the last country out of lockdown, and now we're the first country going into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's an excessive measure that the Welsh Government have brought in, and people need to be reminded that this is Labour and Plyde's and the Lib Dems lockdown, and the economic damage and the mental health and well-being that it'll inflict on people needs to be laid firmly at their door. Because... Mm-hmm. Every area of Wales now is going to suffer because of this. And there are many areas in Wales, especially to the west, that have very low incidences of COVID uh, and ultimately uh, do not require lockdown measures. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen time and time again is instead of the Welsh government getting on top of the virus, they're playing catch up. And they're playing catch up by running the government through media press releases rather than the challenge of the Senate and the scrutiny of the Senate. Because we are in the crazy situation at the moment where government ministers don't even turn up to assembly sessions to be scrutinized. Mm. Yet the health minister, for example, will walk outside the assembly building uh, as if he hasn't got a care in the world on an assembly sitting there. So Mm. it's the arrogance that really grates me and it's the lack of planning and the inability to have a plan going forward Mm. other than to say we can't rule out further lockdowns when we get into the new year. Mm. Do you agree with that, Chris? Or do you have a different perspective? Yeah, I agree with that. I think the lockdown... (laughs) embarked on is totally disproportionate to the number of cases um, areas like Pembroke Dock for instance where I grew up and if I'm right there were 10 cases when they announced lockdown 
So we've locked on a, a town of 10,000 people over 10 cases. Um, you go into Keradigan, there were no cases aside from some at the university campus. Mm. And so this seems to me completely disproportionate. And where they should have pursued a really fine data-driven response with a hyper-localised lockdown. Instead, we've gone for this sort of across the board, shut the economy down and hell with the consequences. And looking at, um, you know, the Welsh, the Welsh government has been seen, whether you believe it or not, has been seen to have handled the crisis well or better than the UK government, or whether that's the, the media's interpretation of it anyway. But surely this lockdown is actually a showing that they have failed, because clearly they're going backwards, not forwards. I mean, what's your views on that? Do you, do you think they have failed, um, Andrew? Well, that, that's the point I made in my opening remarks. You know, Wales was the last country out of lockdown uh, in the UK, and we were told this is because the Welsh Labour government were keeping Wales safe. Yet here we are, with the first one going into the second lockdown, mm. and the real damaging consequences of such a decision. But it is important as an opposition that we put an alternative because it's simple enough to criticise, but you have to offer the alternative. And we have offered that alternative from demanding localised data, localised information on a ward-by-ward -ward basis so that where the virus spikes, measures can be put in place. Mm -hmm. So obviously taking on a plan that says we should introduce compassionate shielding and put a support package in place for those that do have the shield, a targeted approach to our testing, whether it be in hospitals, care homes, food processing facilities, universities or schools, which are hot spots for infection, as we know, and ultimately then strong public health messaging around what people need to do and act responsibly, rather than shutting the whole economy down, because it's all well and good coming out and clapping for the NHS and clapping for carers, something which we've all done because we believe passionately it's the crown jewels of our public service. But unless you've got an economy that creates wealth to be taxed, then you're not going to have any revenue to pay the doctors, the nurses, and everyone and the carers who prop up those services and provide the service. And that's what we're doing here. The Welsh Labour government are shutting the economy down with such devastating implications, mm. and then turning to London and saying, by the way, you've got to pay for this. Well, it can't carry on. And on that, Chris, um, do you think that in the next few months leading up to the election in May, do you think the Labour government is going to use the tax-bearing powers to increase taxes? Because clearly, you know, all the money the UK government could give them is never enough. And do you think they may break their promise and increase put income tax two, two pence to the pound, one pence to the pound? What do you think? I'm not sure whether they reflect that muscle now or mm. after the election. I think they're demonstrating their keenness to use the powers they've got at their disposal mm. uh, i think just that image from tesco of items actually being covered over mm. so that the public can't buy them is a sign that this labor government is actually drunk on power it, it thinks that it can interfere in every facet of life this idea of it setting what's essential non-essential for shopping mm. i don't rule out tax rises in the future i think that they will inevitably fall for the allure of it mm. but i think they might be savvy enough to delay doing it until after the election just to clarify uh, for those listening the image that uh, chris talks about is something which has been posted uh, from tesco uh, tesco and pontypool by the times journalist uh, grant tucker i'm sure that we can post a link underneath uh, the tweet when we send this out um on that uh, andrew looking at the Welsh conservative manifesto now looking forward because obviously there, there is going to be a time after covid 
that, that you know, we can't go on like this forever. How are the, a Welsh Conservative government going to be able to meet the demands of this looking forward? Uh, you know, because obviously this is not going to be over anytime soon. And if there is a Welsh Conservative government taking over in May, they're going to have to deal with some of the real issues. And what do you think, if you were Health Minister, what do you think you would do um, taking over? Well, I think what's important is the overall narrative of what the Welsh Conservatives are offering, which is obviously to just reinvigorate the Welsh Government after 20 years of Labour. Any political party that might have been in power for that length of time is going to lose its spark and lose its focus and its drive. And we can argue about the policies they bring forward, and I'm pretty much sure it'll be a one-sided argument, because I think we can all agree that they failed miserably to increase the wealth, increase the educational opportunity, or improve the public service delivery, especially in health, where we've got some of the worst waiting times uh, anywhere in the United Kingdom. But what we as Welsh Conservatives have to do with our manifesto is infuse people to come out to vote for us. Because we know that if we could capture 75% of the people who voted Conservative in the December general election just gone, we could gain a majority in the Assembly. And that is a critical component in our voting mentality, that a lot of our voters don't think that it's worthwhile coming out to vote in an Assembly election. Now, what we can do through the COVID crisis, and I think people have understood this now, is where responsibilities lie for some of the key issues that they think are important in their lives, such as health, such as economic development, such as education, such as the environment. And we have to show that there's an alternative way to do things. There's an alternative way to energize the Welsh economy. There's an alternative way to deliver healthcare that gets you off a waiting list and says, if you've been on a waiting list over the waiting times, you can go anywhere to have that appointment, have that facility to do the job that gets you back on your feet, gets you fit and well, because ultimately people don't particularly care where their procedure is undertaken, so long as they have their procedures up to a certain standard. And when it comes to delivery, we've seen over 20 years, Labour have failed to make those step changes in the Welsh economy in public services because they have such a dinosaur view of things. And so that's our goal, is to energise the Welsh voter to come out and vote for change, vote for hope, vote for opportunity. And we have to give them that opportunity, that hope and that change to make sure that it is a Conservative government that's running Wales for the next five years. Mm -hmm. And Chris, on that, uh, clearly this current situation is, has, well, perceived uh, has not been gone down well with the public at all well. Um, I will have to see with Roger Scully's polls whether the wider public agrees with it. Do you think this will change the dynamics of that election going forward? Or do you think there'll just be a blip and things will just go back to normal as they were before in terms of polling wise? I, I do think this will have a major impact on polling and public perception. I think you said earlier that the public perceived Drakeford and the Welsh Labour government of having been handled the crisis fairly well. Mm -hmm. I think the steps they've taken to date mm -hmm. uh, today probably will skew public opinion. I think the public consent for measures was there for the initial lockdown. Mm -hmm. I think there's a resentment growing now with the second lockdown. And I think the measure that they've turned around and said non-essential uh, non items uh, can't be sold. Well, I think that really will grate with the public. The idea that the state is saying what you can and cannot buy in the shop. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a ludicrous policy. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's one that will really backfire badly on Welsh mm -hmm. Labour because effectively what they've done is they've turned around and said, 
non-essential items can't be purchased in supermarkets because of small businesses. Well, really, if you want to help small businesses, rather than restrict their opposition, simply mm-hmm. allow them to trade. Don't go ahead with this national lockdown. Mm-hmm. So I think really the use of government policy in this way will drive people against the Labour government because of that. Okay. Uh, uh, you, uh, sorry. Sorry. No, no, go, go on, go on. I think what's a really interesting line there that Chris did deploy is this is this mentality that the government, the Labour government here in Wales, supported by Plaid, supported by the Liberals, can say to people what you can and cannot buy in a given period. You know, we live in a democracy. What's important to you, Chris? What's important to you, James? Uh, sorry, Chris, Chris and Hugh, it is, is totally separate to maybe what's important to someone else then, then in what you need to get through your life. And if you're someone living on your own, for example, if you drop your phone and it smashes, that could be your only means of contact. So you need to get a replacement phone or get the phone fixed. Mm-hmm. But yet we're seeing now Labour ministers coming out saying, no, phone shops will have to be shut. You can't go and go and get your phone repaired. You can't. This morning we had the crazy example of the health minister in Wales. Instead of dealing with COVID outbreaks in hospitals uh, and dealing with ITU shortages, he was talking about, is a hairdryer an essential item to purchase or not? And that's the Welsh Health Minister on Sky TV talking about, is a hairdresser an essential purchase or not? Is that really the country we want to create? I mean, on that, why do you think they've done this rule? Because not even during general lockdown itself, I don't remember at least, that this rule was even there. So why do you think they've done this petty piece of petty regulation yeah, to, to, to anybody, I mean, as a conservative, even as just a general voter, I don't see how it will protect anyone. I mean, well, that it was to do with the Federation of Small Businesses lobbying them to do it. Now, I think that people did cotton on during the original lockdown about how people took to using uh, online shopping, such as Amazon, who did very well out of it, mm-hmm. and that supermarkets did very well out of it because they were they were one of the few places able to operate. Mm. But I do think it's completely disproportionate. And really what small businesses, my parents run a business out in West Wales, what they really want to do is be in a position where they can actually trade. Mm. It's not just saying, well, don't come into work, don't open. I think businesses just want to be able to operate. I saw a piece about a hotel up in Wrexham that had 40 members of staff and they laid off 37 yesterday. Mm. So mm. this is having real impact on real people. And I know when, when you talk about business, people think, oh, it's big, well-off businessmen. But the reality behind every business are individuals on low wages who are working and being hammered for it by the government simply because they want to go and earn a, a living. I Also, Chris, I think it's important that it, political ideology is coming in here where it's the I-know-best mentality from Labour commissars down in Cate's Park where they believe it's better for them to prescribe how you live your life rather than the conservative mantra of you know, self-determination and ultimately self-responsibility. And they feel very comfortable about prescribing what we can and cannot buy and don't feel uncomfortable about that at all, instead of what the conservative philosophy is about personal empowerment. And I think that is the political dynamic that's at work here. The more power that's been assembled in Cate's Park as the longer the virus goes on, the more comfortable they actually feel in wielding that power. And it's the people of Wales and the economy of Wales which has been smashed to pieces because of it. Mm. And do you think that 
uh, going forward now after this period is over because we don't really know when it's going to be over they say the 9th of november is it 9th of november i think it is yeah they say it could go on even longer how do we um you know how do we get on to a more pragmatic well i would say pragmatic road to recovery because we simply can't continue like this forever um the economy has to move on. People need to get back into work. Otherwise, we're going to have 1930s style unemployment if we continue. How do we think we can be more pragmatic and manage this? Because this is going to have to be treated like the common cold, in my opinion. RT. Well, it goes back to what I was saying in the opening of the podcast, mm. which is about using data, local data, to identify hotspots as and when they spike and putting measures in place making sure that we have a compassionate shielding program so those who are vulnerable to the virus get all the support they need. And we target testing on hotspots where we know the, over the experience we've learned over the last six to eight months, such as food processing facilities, hospitals, schools, universities. You know, we, we know this from the understanding of the virus that we've picked up over the last six, eight months. Mm -hmm. As each week, each month goes on, we get closer, hopefully, to some form of vaccination. But it has to be the case that we have to move to an agenda that we learn to live with the virus. Because mm -hmm. even with a vaccine, you will never totally suppress the virus. It's no. a fact that's circulating in the community and that's the way viruses work. So do you think now that um, because, because I, I, this is gonna be with us forever because it's never going to go away unless everyone is injected with a vaccination and there's still no guarantee there will be one. But Do no vaccine is 100% here. Oh, say that again, sorry. No vaccine is 100%. No, exactly. So Do, Do you think there should be a progression towards going back to where we were before and you like you say that hyper localized response, ward by ward, shut them down, you know, because uh, and there's going to have to be a root mass out of that too because we can't continue like that for 10 20 years i mean what, what do you think well, well we haven't tried that in wales because the welsh right. government have obviously gone on county-wide which mm. is an effect of virtual regional lockdowns mm. because they've been other than in the instance of the philly been locking down three four five council areas in one go they have there. Mm. the only places they've done it is lanetley and bangor which have been quite specific. Bangor is the most recent to go into, obviously, some form of micro-lockdown. Mm. That's what we've got to be doing, is a more targeted approach, because it's like any condition that you have a targeted approach to, mm. to actually deal with the problem in the area that is causing you the problem. Mm. Actually mm. shutting down the whole economy that's going to happen over the next two weeks mm. is going to create a whole series of other problems, economic mm. problems, mental health mm. problems, well-being problems. Mm. And it's only this morning that ministers were on the radio saying, once this 9th of November date is reached, they are then going to have national guidelines in place. So even though we're going to come out of the supposed national lockdown on the 9th of November, mm. we're still going to have a national approach to dealing with it, even though big chunks of Wales are going to have very, very low instances of the virus. We all want to be out of this. No one yeah. wants it to continue. Yeah. Everyone wants to be out of it. And any continuation of it to so the mismanagement that Welsh Labour are doing at the moment mm. is a detriment to us all as citizens of Wales. And Chris, do you think that now, once this this lockdown, because I'm not going to use the term firebreaker, because I think that's just political rubbish. It's, it's a lockdown, effectively. Um, 
do you think once this is over, do you think they're going to do it again? Uh, and, and again and again and again, or do you think this will, this will be short, sharp, as they allegedly say? I don't think it's sharp. I think I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days. I think the quote by Lord Acton of absolute power corrupts absolutely mm. is very fitting for this. And I think that the ministers have actually become, they've understood before they had powers. Now they've got those powers in their hands and they're using them. Mm. They're going to be more inclined to use them because they, they in, fa in fact, they see the power they wield over the public. And it's this desire to reinforce the devolved power is not in Westminster anymore. Mm. In Cardiff Bay, and so they're keen to wield that power at every opportunity. Mm. It, it's the why Drake for delivery called it a firebreak, simply to differentiate from England. Mm. And I think they're going to probably do one now, see what happens. They might extend it, and I suspect we'll probably have one in the new year as well. Mm. And to sort of finish this discussion now, um, because no one would have thought at the beginning of this pandemic how COVID has brought in the constitutional question um, into, a dis into the wider discussion of the public. Do you think, uh, the, does the panel think that going forward, once we have um, got a vaccine, if we get a vaccine, of course, do you think there has to be a, a settlement put in place for instances like this? Because we may have another pandemic in the next 10, 20 years. Um, of, of, of another virus or another disease. Do you think there has to be a review of all the four um, executives and, 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 and devolved um, institutions to set about a set of rules they, they go by so this never happens again? Because it's been a very divisive period, I think, for Britain. And I hope we never go through it again. RT. Well, I, I think the constitutional wet dream discussion that many people enjoy having actually proves to be a distraction. Many of the powers, if, if not all the powers, other than the financial firepower, uh, are in the hands of the Welsh Government and the Assembly already. And, you know, instead of going down a constitutional discussion route on this, I'll use one simple example. In 2010-2011, there was an influenza flu outbreak that the Welsh Government commissioned a report by the then Head of Medical Services, Chris Jones, who's now the Deputy Chief Medical Officer for Wales. And it was to look at the provision of ITU beds. And at the time, Wales had the lowest level of ITU provision in the whole of the United Kingdom. And even today, some 10 years later, we still have the lowest provision of ITU beds. Mm -hmm. So that 10 years, despite this report recommending that we needed to put more beds in place and get closer to the UK average, the Welsh Government have done nothing to build up that provision to deal with such a pandemic should it happen to us. And actually today, we've got 152 ITU beds in the Welsh NHS, as opposed to 12 months ago when we had 153. So we've lost the actual bed capacity within the Welsh NHS. In England, that is in January of this year, they had nearly 6,000 ITU beds. So for every 9,500 patients in England, there was one ITU bed. In Wales, it's every 19,500 patients gives you one ITU bed. So instead of going down the route of a political wet dream over devolution, we need to focusing on what can be achieved with the powers we've got. And that's where the Conservative government comes into play, because it goes back to energising the way things are delivered for the people of Wales and breaking the mould here in Wales, rather than saying there's only one size fits all in the labour model of delivery, which we've had for 20 years. Because if there's something that shows total neglect of public services here in Wales, it's that delivery of intensive care beds in our mm. hospitals. 
because that's the big pinch point of delivering the critical care that's required within our hospitals should people require that ventilation. Uh, Chris, you comment a lot on constitutional affairs with the with the Freedom Review. I mean, what's your view on, on the matter? Try not to go on too long on this one. Um, I think it has exposed the differences between Wales, England, Northern Ireland, Scotland. And in some ways, a UK-based approach possibly would have helped matters. I think mm. the idea of Scotland developing a track and trace app at the same time as Wales and England uh, mm. seems completely unnecessary. I, I am of the opinion the National Health Service is that it should be across the UK rather than um, when it comes to a pandemic like this, they should all be working together. Mm. And I've, I'm struck by the idea that you've had competing NHS for resources developing uh, the app for instance it just seems mad to me that you would have in a, one country which the UK is um, four constituent nations with four different NHS's all competing for resource and developing um, surely it would be better to have collaboration on that front. Fair enough fair enough well and it's worth remembering well, here on, first class world beating services we want to create here in Wales or in England or in Scotland or in Northern Ireland can only be achieved by having the strength of the Union of the United Kingdom mm -hmm. and the combining of those resources to deliver that. Whether that's in education, whether that's in health, whether that's in any aspect, mm -hmm. strength of unity of the Union, we must always remember delivers that. And that's mm -hmm. given the financial firepower to face down this pandemic. And it would be worth pondering what Wales would have been like in facing down this pandemic if it had been an independent country like Clyde Bond to create. Mm -hmm. And on that very uh, emotive point and proudly unionist point, which I'm sure many of our listeners will be very pleased with, um, we'd like to thank Chris and uh, RT for taking part in this uh, podcast and just everyone listening, keep safe, keep well, and uh, we shall pull through this. We shall, we shall pull through this. And, uh, Thanks. Thanks for listening. For more from the Pradane Review, head to pradane.review on any web browser. Alternatively, check out at Pradane Review on Twitter or Facebook. <laughs>